0: And welcome to my third podcast. This is the Styled by Susie podcast with me, Susie Hasler. It's great to have you listening today and I can see a lot of you have subscribed. So welcome to my third edition. Now, many of you that are listening are already clients of mine. So you probably already know a lot about me. Um, But there's also quite a few people that have joined my pages recently who haven't met me or don't know anything about me. So before you decide to work with me, you may think, oh, who is this woman coming into my life? Who is she coming through my wardrobes and showing me what I should wear, what I should get rid of? That can be quite a personal thing. So I decided to dedicate this podcast to giving you a bit of background information about me, my story and how I came to being where I am today as your resident stylist. (laughs) So uh, where shall I begin? I'm not going to go all through my childhood because you don't want to hear all of that. You don't want to hear about um, my primary school days, but I'm going to start at secondary school. So imagine secondary school, a very shy young girl. I was not popular but on the other hand I wasn't really geeky I wasn't clever enough to be a geek (laughs) that would have almost made it better I think if I'd have been one of the really intelligent ones um but I I kind of floated around the middle really um I had a couple of nice friends but I wouldn't have said I had a really stable group of friends um Sometimes I used to eat my lunch in the toilet on my own because I didn't have anyone to hang around with. And um, yeah, I can hear you all getting your violins out now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so school wasn't the best time for me. I was bullied at school. And I was bullied not by a girl. I was bullied by a boy called Stephen. And he was pretty nasty to me. He verbally abused me and he was also quite physical. So one day, I was the last person clearing up in the classroom. And he came in and he grabbed me by the neck and um, attacked me, really. There's no other way of putting it. Um, This was reported to the teachers. My mum was great about it. Um, And nothing was really done about it. And it was only in the second to last year of school that I was actually moved form. And that was a real game changer because I made a couple of really nice friends. It really should have happened sooner, which was a real shame. Um, so school, my school days weren't the best, really. I do, When I think about the positives of my school days, I actually think of the way that I experimented with my style at school. Because it was actually quite a good way for me to express myself. And it was quite a good thing for me to plough my energy into. So I've always been very arty. I've always been very creative. And when I was at school, the Spice Girls came out. So I was in my third year of secondary school. And all the girls in my class were saying, have you heard of the Spice Girls? And I had no idea who they were talking about. Because we didn't have MTV or anything. And um, one day I was listening to Capital FM, I think it was Dr. Fox or someone like that, and I heard the da-da-da-da-da of Wannabe, and it was like everything in my world stopped. I thought, who is this? Who is this magical band? And because I, I wasn't really into Take That or any of the boy bands that were around, that kind of passed me by a bit. But when the Spice Girls came out and they were on top of the Pops in Japan, I think they were, dancing to Wannabe, it was like this earth-shattering moment for me. Because here were five girls who were expressing their personalities in their clothing. So you had Scary Spice, who was like the crazy one in her leopard print. Then you had Baby Spice, who was the, the pretty blonde cute one in her little white dresses and pigtails. But for me, the one that really stood out was Gerry. So probably because I'm in the style industry, you probably assume that I would love Victoria Beckham. But for me, it was actually Gerry. So I used to really look at her and think, wow, she's so confident. She wasn't the best dancer. She wasn't the best singer. But in interviews, I found her so interesting. And I loved the way that she always looked different. I used to tape every single performance that the Spice Girls did whether they were on Live and Kicking or Top of the Pops or what was the other one they used to be on? I think CD UK was a bit later. But yeah, I, I used to record every single performance and I, I always looked forward to what Joey was going to wear. So she'd always have her hair slightly different or a different coloured dress. And so the Spice Girls were a big, a, a big, um, what's the word? They helped me get through some really tough days at school. Because I just looked to them and I thought, you know, it doesn't matter what people think about you. As long as you're confident, it doesn't matter. So they were a big deal for me. Then later on in school came All Saints. So All Saints were the complete opposite to the Spice Girls. All Saints came along with their big baggy combat trousers, their Timberland boots, and they were super cool. And it was their style that I then started to follow. So, I really liked the way that they were really cool. Again, they were quite effortless. They weren't really glammed up, but they looked really great in combat trousers, vest top, and they always had something a little bit different about each of them. So, um, they'd have like their hair in, oh, like a cool updo, or one of them used to wear glasses with like yellow lenses. And, um, yeah, I love them. So I kind of copied their style for a bit, but generally when I was at school, the main thing that I used to experiment with was my hair, because obviously you're in school uniform, so you can only experiment with so much. Um, but I used to wear different things in my hair. So I used to wear, um, chopsticks in my hair and Claire's accessories used to be able to buy chopsticks in different colors and they had sparkles on them. So quite often I'd have my hair in a bun and I'd put chopsticks in my hair or I would use flowers in my hair. I used to really experiment and I was I was um, made fun of a bit for that by some girls and they used to sit behind me and, you know, take the mickey about what I was wearing and pull the things out of my hair. Really mean, you know, when I think about it now. But um, I'm quite proud of myself because I, I never let it stop me. I, I still carried on experimenting and yeah so that was I'd say the early stages that I can remember properly experimenting with my style so when I left secondary school I left with okay GCSEs um I didn't do great I didn't fail everything but I I did okay um I did okay enough to go to uh college And when I got to college, it was a bit like a rebirth for me. It was a chance for me to completely almost reinvent myself because none of the horrible people from my school had gone to my sixth form. So I met a fantastic group of friends who I'm still friends with now. And they're so lovely. Most of them are guys, actually. It was a big group of guys. And they were so welcoming to me and we've been friends ever since and they're so accepting and they're such a diverse group of guys you know you you would never put any of us together if you saw us all out one night you'd think god that's it's a really random bunch of people but we all get on so well and we still do so college was great because again I, I experimented with my style even more at college um and obviously, at college, you get to wear your own clothes as well. So, that was where my sisters were really, really great because they let me borrow their clothes. So, I used to love experimenting then. And um, again, left college, mm, okay. I didn't really do great at college. I probably did worse at college than I did at GCSE level. And from there, I came out of college, and mum and dad were great. And they said, You know, your two sisters have gone to uni. Do you want to go to uni as well? And I said, Well, there's nothing, there's nothing really that I want to do at uni, particularly. Nothing really interested me, and I'm not really one for studying. And I thought, no, I don't really fancy it. So I ended up getting a job as an office junior in an accountants, and I loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. And my manager, and it's amazing because she's actually on my Facebook group called Joe. My manager, Jo, was, she was like my idol. When I started there, she used to wear the most amazing clothes for the office. She was always so glam, always had a pair of heels on. And I subtly used to try and copy her, but it would sort of never quite work out the same on me. Um, But again, I used to really love experimenting with my style in the office. And it was a great bunch of girls. And I've got such amazing memories of doing that, that job. Then I started working in London for a graphic design agency and I was a receptionist there and that was just amazing I mean it was I worked in the most exciting part of London so I was in the middle of seven dials in Covent Garden and it was just brilliant I think that was the time that I really really experimented with my style because when you're working in London and you're around London and all the people there you can pretty much get away with anything so I really experimented and that was around the time that Girls Allowed came out and they had their big Perspex jewellery and um, that was kind of the way that I went there so really really bright colours when I worked in London I mean I never had any money because I'd constantly go shopping on my lunch break Um, but it was it was so so much fun and it was so great working for quite a in quite a creative industry because obviously everyone there was a bit quirky as well and uh London was also where I was approached to be a model which I still tell everyone I drop it into any conversation that I can (laughs) it was brilliant I was walking down the street one day and uh this guy well two guys one had a camera one didn't and they came over and they said um They said, would you be interested in doing some modelling? And uh, I was a bit flustered and I said, oh, I don't know. And they said, oh, we think you'd, you know, you'd make a really good model. You've got a really unusual look and you've obviously got the height for it. And I I think I just had like a bit of a, a bit of a panic and just sort of said, oh, no, 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 thank you. Took their card and then ran off. And uh, I kick myself to this day, because you never know, I could have been the next Cara Levine. <laughs> I doubt it. So, stopped working in London, and then the next stage of my career was really important, I think. And it was almost the real foundation for what I'm doing today. And I don't think I quite realised it at the time. So I then started working for a company... Who uh, installed fire safety systems? And it was a very small company. And it was a polar opposite to what I'd been doing in London. So I'd gone from working in this amazingly creative, trendy place. And I was suddenly working with all these guys. And they were older guys as well. And it was a sort of place that. You know, if you wore a skirt to work, they'd say, oh, she's got her legs out or you dress up and they'd say, oh, you're going for an interview. Really annoying kind of dad jokes. But I worked for the most amazing guy called Ken and he owned he owned the company and I was his PA and he was just fantastic. He was he was the most brilliant person to work for. He was. I used to, well, I used to see the way that he dealt with clients, the way he spoke to clients, and how he would really treat them with care. I mean, he wasn't a pushover, but he was, he really cared about what he did, really cared about his clients, and also the people that worked for him. And because it was such a small company, I used to get involved with everything. So I get involved with quotes I'd do a bit of HR I'd do payroll I would do you know I'd be there on interviews and all the bits that all the sort of foundations you know I'd sit in on the accountants meetings and I I kind of got to see firsthand how a small business was run and it was really interesting and while I was there I met my husband and um, so fast forward a couple of years well a good few years And me and my husband decided to have a baby and it didn't happen very quickly at all. It took a little while and I was getting really fed up and I'm sure anyone who has tried for a baby for a while will tell you that once you know you're trying for a baby you can't think about anything else. It's all that goes through your head and I started to drive myself mad and one day I was on my lunch break and I was flicking through my magazine, and in the back of Vogue magazine, there was an advert from the Style Coaching Institute, and it was advertising for stylists, saying about you know you learn about how to dress body shapes and how to do colour analysis. And at that moment in time, was when all the Got How to Look Good Naked programs on were on, and I used to love those programs. And anyway, I remember really clearly emailing my husband at work and saying, oh, I found this really amazing course. It's quite expensive, um, but it looks fantastic. I could maybe turn it into a into a career one day, but I feel like I need something to focus on. I need to find something that I'm interested in to focus my energy on. And he was really kind and he said, look, you know, let's do it because we were both a bit fed up. So I, I did this course, signed up, and this course was just amazing. The Style Coaching Institute is so special because you don't just learn about body shapes, you don't just learn about style, you don't just learn about colour, you learn so much about how to work with people, about body language, about working through body, uh, body image issues as well it's so much about the person as much as it is about the style, if not more so. They're really, really people focused. And for someone that hadn't worked particularly hard at school or college, and I have the attention span of a gnat usually, I absolutely ploughed through this course. I mean, I once I went for it, I was, I was living and breathing style. I was making mood boards. I was cutting pictures out of magazines I was buying every single style book under the sun and I just immersed myself in it and I'm trying to think how long it was I think it was about a year until I qualified and I passed about two months before I had my son and I remember the day before I went into hospital to have my son because he was he was breached so he was born by cesarean I set up my Facebook page and I said to my husband, oh, wouldn't it be good if, you know, once I've had the baby, I could style a few friends and you never know kind of thing. So I set up this Facebook page and I remember my very first post on the Style by Susie Facebook page was a picture of nail varnish. It was a yellow, funnily enough, yellow, um, a yellow Barry M nail varnish. And I was saying, you know, it's summertime and paint your nails a bright color. I remember really clearly and I think there were maybe about 15-20 people on my page all friends and family that I'd invited to join and that was it. I then had my son and at that point my world crashed around me. So my son when he was born he, he was not an easy baby so he would scream for hours and I mean hours. Um, He would feed and then after he fed he would scream and scream and scream inconsolably and it was just awful. It was torture. It was during a really hot summer and I remember feeling like a prisoner in my home just feeling like oh my god I I cannot stop this baby crying, I, you know, what am I doing wrong, um, what, what is it, and I'd go out with him, with him in the pram, and I'd have old ladies stopping me and saying, oh, you know, he's hungry, or, um, he wants to be picked up, or, you know, why is he crying, or, oh gosh, that baby's noisy, which made it 10 times worse, of course, you can't beat the general public for making you feel a bit rubbish, and, um, one day I went to the doctor, and I said, look, I, I, I can't, I can't cope with this anymore. I He's screaming all the time. There, there must be something wrong. And um, I think he looked at me a little bit like hysterical mother, first time mother, you know. <laughs> but he referred me to the hospital and he said, OK, go down there and they can have a look and see if there's anything wrong with him. And we went to the hospital, into the paediatrics department, and they took one look at him. And I think everyone on the the ward could hear the screaming. And I think they took one look at me. And they were so kind. And they admitted me and my son. And I think it was about two weeks we were in the hospital for. And they were switching around different medication for him. And it, it turns out that he had silent reflux. As well as a cow's milk protein allergy. So... We were in there trying different medication, trying different milk on him. And I cannot thank the nurses enough that were in there at that point. They were just amazing. Um, They were so lovely. They'd sit up at night with me. They would bring me a cup of tea. They were just angels. There's, There's no other word for it. They really saved me. And I remember every single one of the names of the particular nurses that helped me. Um, so we we were discharged from hospital and he was not quite right, but we were told it's going to be a long road. You know, you're looking at months, it will gradually get better, but you just have to ride it out. Um, so to cut a long story short and to not depress you too much, but I think all of this is very important to know a little bit about me and how I've come to where I am now. Um, a little while after that, about a week after we were discharged he developed a really bad cough and I remember distinctly when the first time I heard this cough I was with my mother-in-law and we both looked at each other and said oh god that doesn't sound very good so again went back to the doctor and they said oh it's it's probably bronchiolitis I mean, I went backwards and forwards to the doctor. And as every mother does, and you know you do this, ladies, (laughs) I went on good old Google and I typed in all of his symptoms and every single thing that was coming up was saying whooping cough. And I thought, surely not. Whooping cough is so rare. It's, you know, we've all been vaccinated against it. It's surely not. But at the same time, I had heard that it was around a lot in the summer and we were admitted to hospital again the hysterical mother and from the moment we got to hospital his oxygen levels dropped he ended up on um, being assisted with his breathing and being assisted with his feeding so he had tubes all over him he was in high dependency and a couple of times we nearly lost him he used to have daily episodes where he would stop breathing and me and my husband for about how long was it 5 months we used to have to take it in turns to sleep next to him and get up to him in the night because he would cough every hour um but when he coughed he would stop breathing so we both had to be alert still with that and there's no other word for it it was traumatic it was utterly, utterly traumatic. And after that, that led to me getting postnatal depression. Um, And I, I don't even know if it was like a full on depression, it was more like anxiety, because I didn't want to go anywhere, I didn't want to see anyone, I was scared taking him anywhere in case he screamed because of his reflux, or in case he stopped breathing. So it was really awful and my goodness, it makes me realise that I can get through anything because we got through such an awful time and when I look at him today, I realise how lucky we are to have him with us because most babies that catch whooping cough before um, they're six weeks old, they they don't make it and unbelievably so he did and he's a thriving five-year-old boy with the (laughs) he's got the moody teenage um moods at the moment with me but uh yeah so that was that was a really difficult time so I extended my maternity leave and when I went back to work I thought I just I I don't I felt like I'd been through so much that I kind of needed something more and I, I kept posting more things on my style page. And again, it was a bit like a, a nice escape for me that when, he, when my son was asleep, I'd be looking up you know what the trends were or looking up what clothes were in the shops. And then that was when I was doing my posts online. So then I started offering some style sessions locally. So I put on the, on the local mum's group saying, does anyone fancy a free style session in, re, in return for um, some feedback? And a bit of, you know, a bit of a post on Facebook about how you found the session, and that was how it started. So my very first clients were um, a lady called Natalie and her friend Anne, who live locally. And I went there for my very first style party, and I think I'd had about three night, three hours sleep the night before. <laughs> and I remember going off with my clipboard, and the minute I finished, I thought, Oh my god, this is going to be something. Huge. I know that once the word gets out there, this could be really big. Because when I used to watch Gok Juan and I used to watch Trini and Susanna, I would sit there thinking, but I wonder which one I am, I wonder which body shape I'd be, and I wonder what Gok would say to me about what I should wear. Um, you know, why is there no service like that for for women? And of course, you can get stylists who take you to Harrods and Selfridges and you spend a fortune but for us women that shop in next Dorothy Perkins and the High Street what is there for us? So that really got my brain ticking and from there I, I did a lot of free work in the beginning so I, I gave away tons and tons of gift vouchers to local raffles to oh, fates, charities just to build up my client base. And I think a lot of people that want to start a business, they come to me wanting to start at the level that my business is at now. And I don't think people quite realise the the hours that I put in at the beginning and how much free work I did in the beginning. Um, you know, you, you really have to love what you do because you actually have to build it up from nothing. So um, I was working all hours under the sun. I was working... Uh, well, in and around childcare as well, because my son was still quite young. But I was working a lot of weekends. I was working a Friday night and then back in Blue Water on a Saturday morning. And I really built it up and built it up. And for the first two years, it was absolutely crazy. Um, I mean, money for me and my husband was really tight for those first two years. It was really hard because, because I was doing it at such... A competitive rate or low rates and sometimes completely free um, we had little to no money coming in but I was also working every hour under the Sun so I was working my absolute socks off but for very little financial reward so if you're starting up your own business you've got to be prepared to have those really really crap years because you can't expect to make much money in the first two years. And everyone has always said to me, you know, why don't you make a buyer? But the reason that I went into this was to offer this service to, to women on the high street. I, I loathe to use the word real women, but you get what I mean. And the minute I make my prices too high, I alienate my client base that I want to work with. So um, I'd say the third year, everything got a little bit easier because I realised I realised um, how things worked, I realised what didn't work, what did work and um, yeah it's, it's all a bit of experimenting and also working, working with different people and just immersing myself in clothes day in, day out and in four years the, the styles have changed, the fashions have changed, um, the shops have changed and I've had to move with all of that And it's been great experience and also working with different women, I think is, is so interesting as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I started to get a bit ill. I noticed at the end of each season because I was working my absolute socks off. And at the beginning of this year, I thought, Oh my God, I just, I, I cannot do everything. I cannot be, out of the house working i cannot be mum and i cannot be sitting up every night until 11 o'clock doing my emails something has to give and this lovely lady called zoe who i knew um had messaged me a few times over the years because i I knew that she was a virtual pa and i'd heard amazing things about her and every time she approached me i said oh you know i just can't afford it and um you know it's fine i'm i'm doing it it's fine but i'm i'm you know i'm i'm fine and uh, at the beginning of the year, I, I got really ill again and <laughs> arranged to meet Zoe in Costa for a meeting to talk through with her what I would want her to do. And I was in such a state of stress that I just went, you know what, here's my passwords, here's my emails, here's my account information, take it. <laughs> because I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. But meeting Zoe and, and signing Zoe up to work for me as, as a PA was probably the best decision I have ever, ever made. So Zoe is now working. Um, she does a couple of hours a week for me, which she splits across, um, a few days and she deals with all of the inquiries that come in. She's absolutely amazing. And I, I trust her implicitly. She's so organized. She keeps me in check, which is exactly what I need. And she's just brilliant. And I've also got another stylist starting with me in the autumn. As you know, Sarah Lily is going to be starting with me. And um, she's going to be building up her own client base as well as working with any of my existing clients. And yeah, so the team is growing. And the way, so where I'm at now, I feel really happy with my business. I feel like I finally have a really good work-life balance because I've delegated and I look after myself as well at the same time. Um, It's no secret that I still suffer from anxiety and this is something that I've always suffered from and I take medication for my anxiety and I feel great for it. It works so well for me And I feel in such a good place because I I take regular exercise as well. And I've had a lot of learning to do over the years. And I've had some really, really tough times. But I think all of that has led me to where I am now. And all of the things that I've been through have helped make me empathetic when dealing with my clients and speaking to them because so many women are going through such tough times. And so I just felt it was important to tell you my story because I think you could look at my business and think, oh, you know, it's amazing. You you know, you've got all these clients and you get these amazing reviews and this and that. and And it is amazing, but it was a long time coming and something that I've worked so hard for and something that actually grew out of A really really horrible sad situation and I'm a firm believer that good comes out of bad that when you're at your absolute lowest point it gives you that fighting spirit to carry on and focus on the positives you know getting out there and making it work for you doing what you enjoy and that could be anything so I hope you've enjoyed my story today And it's been great having you on the podcast. If you'd like to come and join my Facebook private community, you can do so by checking out my Facebook page, which is, um, if you type style by Susie into Facebook, you'll see it. And there's a link on there to the private Facebook community, which is a fantastic group of 1500 ladies. And the number is rising. And it's a place, it's a safe place. There's no negativity allowed on the group. If you don't like anyone's outfit, if you don't like something I'm wearing, scroll past it and do not comment. This is a place for positivity and support. So we'd love to see you on there sharing your photos or questions and it's also a great place for me to share my bits and pieces with you too. So thank you for listening and I will be back next week with another podcast. Have a lovely day today. Bye!